Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Hi, this is Michael Waits from Asia Tech Podcast Stories. I'm talking to Gang Lu, founder of Technode.com. I feel like there's a lot of ground to cover, so let's just jump right in. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Hello, everyone. And it's Gang Lu here. Yeah, look, I'm really happy that you agreed to do this with us. I mean, you run a really interesting business. Um, where, where, are you, where are you based right now? I'm based in Shanghai. You're in Shanghai. So we were just, Graham and I were actually just in Shanghai last week, right, for the Huawei Connect um, event. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a shame we didn't get to meet each other in person, but we were on like a ridiculous schedule. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these events, but it's just like hustling from one room to another room and meeting tons of people. So maybe the next time we're there, we'll get a chance to meet you. Yeah, it sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I was... um... Actually, I was in Taipei last week, so, so okay. we missed each other. Yeah. Okay, well, then I don't feel like I was rude then, because otherwise I would feel like I was just being disrespectful, um, <laughs> which I don't like to do. I'm not, I'm not want to do that, actually. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your background and the people that are listening, just so we can get a better understanding of, you know, where techno came from and how it kind of grew to what it is today? Yeah, sure. Um, well, so basically, Techno, Techno is a media business. Uh, Techno is the leading tech media in China. So we, as uh, what I mean, tech media means that we really focus on tech, especially the startup ecosystem. So I started Techno long time back. Um, well, it's like a long story, but I basically I started back to 2007, but it was just my personal blog. Um, so, because I, I don't have any media background, but but actually, my I did my PhD in computer science. I did that in, in Sheffield, uh, UK. I saw that. Yeah. So I I did my computer science PhD because my major is like uh, wireless communications, wireless networking. Um, so at that times, um, I was working for a company. I was doing some research. So basically, the results. Uh, you know, came to me is, you know, that time, well, I think that time we just have 3G network, but we are thinking that maybe in the future, not just 3G and 4G or 5G, so basically no, just one internet, no wired and wireless, no difference. Right. So that company is like wireless, uh, what we call mobile value added company, is basically they are doing some business around SMS, like old style mobile business. Yep. So we're thinking maybe in the future we should move to the internet because there you know there's going to be mobile internet. So I started doing some research and so I started reading some tech blog like TechCrunch, Rewrite Web, some other blog. And so I found this fascinating because you see the new startups, the internet startups that come in like every day. They every have day interest. though, right? Yeah, so that was so interesting because that time people talking about like Web 2.0. Right, uh, <laughs> I remember so it. That's, yeah, that's a year of like, uh, you know, everybody just uh, starting up, thinking about like the internet, what's going to be next, uh, also the mobile internet as well. So I was so kind of impressed by what's happening in the internet world. So I said, uh, well, I should uh, move from my wireless networking, the major, into the internet business. Secondly, I found a media or, or a blog like TechCrunch is so valuable to me because I learn a lot 
from the blog. So I said, uh, ah, maybe I can. I should do my own blog. And then, so basically, when I, so I set up my own blog. And as two stories, uh, I said maybe I can just blog about like uh, what what's happening in China, like the Chinese startup ecosystems. So that's how everything started. Then it's been then after that, I think until 2012. Um, so almost I've been doing the blogging for five years as my hobby, but lots, but it's not not many articles. I just blog maybe once a week or even like every other week. But anyway, because I love technology, I love you know, writing some stuff. Um, but until t- 2012, I met I met you know some friends. And then my the friends or reader keep telling me, hey, you should be doing some like, something like you should be like technology in China. Um, so I said, oh, maybe I can try. So I set up company. So can I can I ask you a question? So uh, when when you were doing this from 2007 until 2012, you were working at a regular full time job as well, right? Yes. What were yes. you doing? So, yeah. Well, uh, first I working I working for, for I started. Uh, I my first job is I spent three years and a half at the developer. So because I'm doing computer science, so yep. I'm geeking side. Then after that, I joined a French company. Um, I don't know how many listeners still remember that. It's a, at that time, it's a quite famous Web 2.0 company based in Paris. Tell me. Uh, it's called NetWipes. NetWipes. It's like uh, they are doing like iGoogle stuff, like uh, news aggregator. Oh. Um, it's like iGoogle, but nobody know, even remember iGoogle. <laughs> but anyway, so I was for... I was working for them for almost two years. Okay. Then, end of 2008, I moved back to China. Uh, then, I started, when I moved back, uh, I kind of lost, because I don't know what to do. So, uh, I, I was helping some friends, um, you know, helping cause some, like, uh, our foreign, foreign friends who are based in China, and uh, to help them to bring some overseas company uh, to China, like uh, report our localizations uh, by the consulting job. Then I think 2000, probably 2009, uh, I, I started my first start- startup. It's like personalized printing service. What does that um, mean? So I managed to read it. So basically you, are, well, basically, basically, you upload the photos to a website, then we print it out when shipped to you. Got it. Um, is because uh, I think so. That's my first startups. So I managed to raise a little bit of funding for that. So then after two years, I realized actually uh, it's a business hard to be scaled. Hmm. Um, so all the incomes uh, we pay to our staff. So actually we work for. So I found as a founder. Actually, I, I I'm work. I was working for our stuff every day because right. all the incomes all go to salaries. So, yeah, so then 2012, I say, oh, maybe I should do the, the tech media. So you learned something starting your own company, right? I mean, and a bunch of things as well. So where yeah. did, did you raise money from Chinese investors or did you raise money from foreign investors or some combination of both? <laughs> well, that company, the first company, mm-hmm. I raised from uh, actually it's a Spanish angel fund. Wow, and that was just based on your relationships that you made while you were in school in the UK? Uh, no, I think that's based on the, if I remember that right, I think 
another reason, one of the reasons I started the, I decided to do the startups, uh, because when I was doing the blogging, you know, because uh, I got more and more readers come to came to my blog, because mm-hmm. I talking about like startups. Then one day I realized, I'm kind of I play a role is like commentator of like uh, of startups. Nice. You know, I I, I gave it a suggestion, even sometimes the comments on you know how startups uh, grow their business. But then I realized actually, I'm not. You know, I didn't do my stuff at all because I have no experience as a founder. But why, you know, so I said, uh, so maybe I should try to do my own startups to know more about, you know, the, the real experience of doing startups. So that's one, that also one reason I said, okay, I should uh, be a kind of startup founder. Right. So I think because I'm doing a blog, um, because when I started blogging, actually I started in English instead of Chinese. Right. So that's why, because that time I think the people started uh, recognizing the Chinese into the market. So actually most of the readers, well, that time not that many, but most of the readers I have is like uh, people who are really interested in the Chinese internet business. And, and, how, and quite a few of them actually they are investors. I mean, the foreign overseas investors. So where were they from? Were they from the United States mostly? Yes, yeah, States, uh, Europe, and some of them based in China. Wow. I mean, you were really at the beginning of this whole sort of internet revolution in China. If it was even back in 2012, things weren't nearly as developed as they are today. Even in five years, so much has changed, no? Yeah, I think especially for China. I think that 2012 or 2011, because now you know, probably you know, like the mobile kind of now in China, everything are mobile. Right. But that time is like the mobile internet really kicking off, just kicking off in China. Yeah, I mean, again, it kind of mirrors what was happening in Southeast Asia, right? So I arrived in Bangkok at the end of 2011 and the beginning of 2012, and we see kind of the same dynamics. The only difference is that China seems to have grown a lot faster in the last five years than, than we have here. Yeah. And so when you moved, yeah. when you when you moved into like doing TechNode full time, you're still doing it in English. And did you make that decision like, I just want to target foreign foreign people, foreign investors. I want to write in English because everybody else is writing in 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 Mandarin, and I want to attract people into China and to for them to understand the Chinese market. Like, what was the idea to stay in English? Yeah, what started the English. Uh, well, I think it was started a couple of reasons. As I said, uh, because at times when I think about the story, I'm going to write. I said, if I write in, because I'm based in UK, when I started. So ah. I said, okay, we're going to write in Chinese. Maybe that make um, my blog that much of unique in the space. Right. Because that's other Chinese media, you know, you know, there already. And also, because I'm based in UK, I don't have that much of opportunity to meet the local startups or local right. founders. Right. So I said that maybe I should change the angle. So I said maybe English instead of Chinese. Another reason, because I was in UK for seven years, so I read, I heard lots of, uh, you know, because I read the English media. But I think even still now, um, you know, people talk about Chinese internet. But at that time, but still right now, there's not much English channel for like kind of English speaking people to really understand what's really happening in China. Not really. But not still. Uh, well, now it goes more and more, but still, uh, not that much. There's not that much of media. They can really understand the you know what's happening in China, and also that times 
it's not like like right now. It's like that time people when people talk about Chinese internet, people always I, I said the uh, that time always the two keywords. One is the censorship. And when people talk about internet in China, always censorship first. I know. Second is the copycats. You like people you like the Chinese company copy the idea from Silicon Valley. I mean, which are true. You know, it's still they are doing that at some point. But because I'm Chinese, because um, you know, I read all Chinese medias, because I really know actually more than that. So I said, yeah, so maybe I should do in Chinese English. Then I'm trying to be kind of a little help, you know, and help the kind of Western communities to understand more, you know, so what's really happening in China. So that's how everything started. But later on, uh, I also uh, I also write for like TechCrunch, WeWriteWeb as a kind of guest contributor. So how did, how did that happen yeah. though? Like, so you're in, and were you still in the UK then or were you back in China? Well, you mean? When you're writing for TechCrunch and when you're writing for ReadWrite and stuff like that. Uh, let me think. I think I was still in UK. Okay, so yeah. how, did, how did you get them to let you write for them? How did that work? Well, at that time, first of all, they are not that big yet, like <laughs> so like TechCon. So uh, I think they are interesting um, in what I'm writing because that time is not not many like bloggers they can write about China because right. all the content I I wrote is always about China. So, but but I don't I'm not that like a frequent uh, writers. Um, I write maybe several, just I think in total maybe several pieces a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in total, Got it, but okay. most of the uh, later on. Well, I think to be honest, I think to to at the beginning, I was a bit selfish because uh, <laughs> I wanted to use the TechCrunch or the right web to drive some traffic to my blog. Got it. <laughs> no, but that's good though, right? I mean, that's the strategy, right? Yeah, I think that's good. That's good. So, so luckily, I got some people uh, recognize me. Uh, so they some of them started writing, you know, reading my blog. Then later on, now it's uh, the the techno is like bilingual um, because when I write in English and some some of my Chinese friends, um, so they actually when they read you know my English writing and uh, they they also they, they realize actually because I maybe I was in UK for too long so they they found like the ego of my my writing ego. Is uh, I think it's kind of something in between. Is uh, between the Chinese ego and the English egos. So they say, okay, maybe uh, I give some unique value, so basically from my writing. So they started translating my English writing into Chinese. They did, didn't they? So yeah. So so right now we have actually we have Chinese version, we have English version. And are they the same? In other words, are, so are both of those no, versions the same? They're, they're totally different, yeah. though, right? Because I tried to look at both, no. and it doesn't look like the topics yeah, no. are the same. Well, at, at the very beginning. I thought maybe just translation from each other, but then later on I realized actually it doesn't work because, you know, the, the what the basically what the English, English readers care about, maybe they care about like BAT, like Baidu, Tencent, all big companies. They don't really care about like startups in China. Right. It's because weird. They, right? don't have the, they don't have background, which I understand. But from the Chinese part, you know, there are loads of Chinese media that are talking about BAT every day, so right. it doesn't make sense to, to write about them, you know, again. But make more sense is to write it more on the startup side. So so right now, right now we have, 
around like 17 editorial um, the reporters. So I could say one of them, they are, they are English reporters. 17? Yeah, in total, uh, the, our, our editorial team. Okay, so how many, how is the split between English and, and Mandarin? How many what? How many articles? How many? What's the split? In other words, how many editorial people do you have for the English site, and how many do you have for we the have, Chinese We have, uh, so now we have seven, so seven of uh, 17, they are English, English journalists, so 10 Chinese. Got it. And which one of them gets more traffic, do you think? I'll be all called Chinese. Just because it's all China, right? But I mean, I just wonder, I, I mean, it's none of my business, right? But I'd love to see the breakdown of the, um, of the people. China, obviously, is a much bigger country, so there are just more Chinese people in the world. But I just wonder, like, of the tech-interested people that speak English, how many of them come to see TechNode? I mean, it's a big, it feels to me like a very big business. So I'm just curious. It's really interesting because you have almost the same number of editorial staff on both sides, and, and yet you're running two probably completely separate businesses, no? Well, I think, well, if you ask me, ask me maybe a half year back, um, we only have maybe three or four, maybe three English reporters. Oh, okay. But we recently put more resources uh, on the English side because uh, we see, basically we see the demands. So right. decided, uh, I also, um, I think, to be honest, I think it, if, if we talk about the Chinese medias, there are loads over here in China. Right. But if it's English, we're probably the only one we are talking about China every day. Yeah, I mean, I just find it really interesting that there's no other person that we know about, right, that's as big as you are, that's running an English site that basically just talks all about the Chinese tech, tech ecosystem, right? Yeah. And also, uh, end of 2013, we signed a partnership with TechCrunch. So we also run TechCrunch in China. So that's, that's what I was going to ask you. How does that work? So you sign an agreement, you go talk to the guys with TechCrunch, which is what, owned by AOL, right? And yeah. now I guess it's owned by Verizon, if I'm right? Yeah. All right, so you yeah. go and you talk to that team and you say, look, we'll run your business too. But how does that work in the context of TechNode? Well, it's, it's also a long story because actually when I... Well, I think it's... Um, we started talking to each other... Maybe even I founded this company while I'm still doing my blog as a, as a blogger because we know their, you know, uh, edit, I know their editorial teams. So at that time, we, when they come to China, we always then, you know, have a conversation because, you know, talking about kids, they know I'm, the, I'm Chinese, so right. I know better than them. So yeah. I think the relationship is built up a long time back. So, so yeah, then, uh, then I think around like 2013, I think from even from 2011, we started uh, talking about the possibility of working together. Okay. So in 2013, we say, hey, hey, let's do the partnership. So what's the benefit to you? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, what do you get from having that partnership with TechCrunch? Do they distribute your stories? Do they increase your readership in English? How does that work? And also... Do you do like a disrupt? You know, TechCrunch runs this big event business that they have that's called Disrupt, right? So you do a disrupt yeah. in China as well, in Shanghai maybe? Yes. Or you do. Yeah. Yes. So so you, if you talk on benefit, um, I, th I think apart from benefit, um, as I said at the very beginning, because I'm moving to kind of blogging business or mm -hmm. you can say media business, mm -hmm. I think I, I would say 60% of uh, – 
you know, the, the, the reason is because, you know, is TechCrunch, I learned a lot from TechCrunch. For sure. Yeah, because that's basically the, uh, TechCrunch probably the first guy you know, educating me uh, about the uh, internet business. So for me, I'm a big fan of TechCrunch. Yep. So that's a part of my benefit. Um, but if you ask me, like, what's the benefit? Because uh, I think the, the big reason, because when I started the blog, or when I started business, the always I think the the how how I position techno is we really want to be the kind of bridge to bridge the Chinese startup ecosystem with the global startup ecosystem. Right. And then TechCrunch obviously in the tech space is for us is like the number one branding, the number one brand in the global experience in the startup ecosystems. And we understand uh, we are in China. Uh, we understand the Chinese startup ecosystems, so I think I found it's a perfect match. We help each other, so TechCrunch help us. Uh, it's a big brand, it of is. course. Uh, you know, when we do partner, uh, people, you know, who, the people who recognize TechCrunch when they come to China, they can recognize us. Right. Uh, but for TechCrunch, it's the same uh, because you know the Chinese ecosystem is totally different, so you don't. You really need a local team uh, in China, and Taekwondo they don't have that. Right. So we could be the like a local arm to TechCrunch. So actually, we can also help each other. So the so we run TechCrunch in Chinese version. Uh, they said that we also run TechCrunch uh, disrupt events. So we did that a couple times. We did that in Shanghai. So normally we we do that twice a year. So we do Shanghai, Beijing. And this year, for the first time, we did that in Shenzhen in June. Wow. So actually, we managed that. And so now it's become like one of the leading tech events in China. So we, two days, we manage, we, like each time we have over 5,000 people came to our events. That's just gigantic. And so do they help you with the infrastructure of setting up those events? In other words, do you use all of their embedded knowledge to run those events? Or do they just say to you, go ahead, do it the best way you know how to do it, and we'll just like lend you our brand name? I, I feel like there's a real strong partnership between you and the TechCrunch team, which is great, right? Yeah, I think thanks to – I think they are they're quite free. They're quite open, so basically they leave – they give us lots of flexibilities uh, to do the events. So I, I would say, like, um, so we, we did a lot of work. Most of the work is done by us. But, of course, TechCrunch brand and uh, the team also help us. But uh, So if you look at our teams, so we have the team, technical team we have. In total, we have around 50 people already, 5-0. 50 people, that's big. Yeah, and some of the, so we have events team. Uh, now, so you do to, have an events team as well, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is really interesting. Do you do other events besides the tech crunch events? Besides the disruptive yeah, we, events, yeah, we do. have our own like techno events. Uh, so we, for example, actually just coming this week, and uh, the events we call Asia Hardware Battle. Basically, it's like uh, the hardware. Um, it's a competition. Uh, target and Asian uh, hardware startups. So we did uh, we did some side events. We, so we did the competition in Korea, uh, Taiwan, uh, Thailand, uh, also like Shanghai, Beijing. So we did a lot, a couple of uh, like series of uh, small offline events. 
Then the final 15, uh, we, we invited them to Shanghai. So like this weekend, they're, they're going to be like a final pitch. That's really interesting. So you do an event in Thailand as well that's part of the hardware competition. Yeah, so I think we cost is eight country. Uh, so we did that. So who, even in Singapore, even in Singapore. So who was your who were your partners when you? Because if TechCrunch, you do stuff with TechCrunch in, you know, in Shanghai and in Beijing, and also and you did an event for them in Shenzhen. So who would be your partners in Singapore and in Thailand? Just out of curiosity. Well, actually, in every every country origin, we have local partners. So I think thanks to. I think I, I would say thanks to the kind of the China, the Chinese market. Mm. Uh, so right now, because everybody want to talk to China. Fair enough. Uh, you know, startup want to raise money. The venture capital they want to find like a you no know, investment, you know, the target. Uh, even they want to raise funds from money from China. So like everybody look at the the Chinese market. So when we do this across Asia, um, people. We always have local partners who you know who want to support this. So yeah, so so you, so every so in you, like Hong Kong, like every country region, so always have local partners. So I find it really fascinating. So now that you have TechNode up and running, you do the TechCrunch thing, you do it in English, you'd also do it in Chinese. Like, what's the future? Where do you see this thing going, and how do you continue to build it and make it bigger? What's what are the next steps? You think? Um, for us, I think first, we want to be more stronger in China because that's our kind of, uh, our base. Yep. That's the baseline. Uh, so we want to be more stronger in China. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with the strong kind of China support, I think in future we want to be more, get more exposure in the Asia region as well. So that's the kind of plan for our next day. But what's the strategy for that? In other words, I, you know, I look at this as a business as well, right? I just wonder, <clears throat> like, what do you do now? Now that you're big and that you're, you know, you're growing, how do you make sure that you sustain that growth? And what do you do to make sure that you can continue, continue to grow? Inside of China, you're super well known, right? TechNode is a great name. You have a partnership with TechCrunch, which is fabulous, right? How do you then grow that out into the rest of the Asian region, whether that's in you know, Korea, which is its own completely different market, and even in Southeast Asia, which has its own sort of idiosyncrasies. I just want to know the way you're thinking about it, because you've done so well so far. I'm just curious what the strategy is going forward. Yeah, I think it's still, I, I, I think we still, um, what, you know, running a media business in China is not, it's not as easy. easy. No. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's good. We've been, we've been through some hard times in the past like five years. So, so but kind of luckily, uh, you know, we had a good partnership with TechCrunch. Uh, we managed to do like a big event in China, which uh, from which we can have a sponsorship to get some cash flow. Um, then in past one years, we also find a really good, uh, interesting opportunity for us is uh, we work with big corporates so we help the big corporates uh, because now I'm more and more corporates. They want to move into innovation, uh, the ecosystems. They want to, for example, like invest uh, invest in like startups. They want to work with startups. 
but they don't want, they, they didn't have any connection before because like two separate worlds. But now they, they, they recognize us to be kind of the hub. So we can link the startup ecosystem with big corporates, uh, which which we can drive some revenue to us and also give us lots of other opportunity as well. So which we can, uh, so with all these, we manage, we, we can kind of survive. Um, and so to keep the team going. Um, so, you know, so talking about, you know, the, the next, um, I think we find some good business models uh, around our media. Um, and also, the reason we want to, we are, we are checking the Asian market, uh, as I said, because because um, we see, because uh, we are now in China, because we see more and more Chinese companies that are getting more and more aggressive in the global market. Um, so uh, also, uh, we see, for example, like a startup from Southeast Asia, from like even uh, Korea or, or Japan, all startups, they want to come to China for the market and also for the fundraising. Right. So as I said, uh, we, we found that probably it's a really good timing for us to be more kind of more a bit more aggressive in the Asian market, not because we understand the Asian market. I think I think just because we know how the Asian market need us, um, you know, from the China point of view. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'd be really interested to know. So I've got a couple. I mean, there's so many questions. So I'd be really interested to know what percentage of your readers that read the English site are actually in China. In other words. Does your Chinese audience, right, people like you that are, you know, globally educated, that, you know, are multilingual and multicultural, do they read the English side as well? Because you said the news on both sides are different, right? Yeah, I think most of readers, it's from China, they're reading Chinese side. As I said, because we are, we are based in China. China is our base. So if, if you are not in China, there's no way you can expand to Asia. Right. So, right. so because people want to work with us from all over the world, I think because people know we have good resources in China. Right. I think that's the that's one most important reason. So that's it. So we have to we have to kind of uh, uh, move quicker in China to be more stronger in China. Got it. Um, then, then on the other hand, is uh, I think we found more and more ready. Um, because we, we in the past five years, well, even like if we come from when I started, almost ten years. So we 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 do have a lot of resources in China, um, then even in Asia, even in in from USA. So I think it's time for us to to be to be more global. Basically. Do you want to back up a little bit and talk about, you said you ran through some tough times. I'm just wondering what those tough times were and just if you can talk to us about what you learned. I and mean, I can tell you I've had some pretty tough times building stuff myself and investing in things and there's so many things that I've learned, yeah. but I'd love to share, I'd love you to share with me the types of things that you've learned as well and like what the hard things were. Yeah, I think it's a journey. It, 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 I think it's, it's a, maybe it's a common story for for all startups. Tell me. Right? I think the journey of doing startups. So I think for me, it's, uh, as I said, uh, techno was my hobby. 
So when one day when 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 some people say, okay, you have to you you need to do this, kind of turn your hobby into your career. Um, I was so excited. I I remember because ah, because always kind of dream say, okay, turn the hobby as my career. Uh, but I think six months, I realized it's so hard. It is really to, hard to manage your hobby as a career because when I was a blogger, uh, you know, that's my hobby. I don't care about I don't care about my incomes because right. I have something else to do. But when you have the team, then you realize, okay, you have to figure out a way to feed them. So where did women come from? Um, Secondly, when you have a team, you become, you became so-called chief editor. Then, as a chief editor, is uh, the the funny part is, you know, before it's like as a blogger, it's a kind of freestyle. You know, I I blog whatever I want to blog. Right, you do whatever um, you want to do, right? But when you have a team, yeah, then to take care of everybody thinking, you have to tell everyone, hey, here's a topic you need to write about. Right. You know, it's different. It's totally different. So then, you know, you become. I think it become kind of a burden. It's a lot of pressure to me because it become a business. So then, I, I think that's that's the first. You know, I was kind of. I think I remember when I started like six months. Right. When I started the team, I think for several months I was uh, lost. It. Um, I don't want to. I don't even want to manage the team. Because <laughs> I found that okay, it's uh, such a pressure on me. Um, then later on, I I think I got used to it uh, because I I realized okay that's the way I choose. I have to keep going. Um, then later on, I think this is a basically the typical startup story. You have to think about like how to get the revenues. Uh, then you see the because you don't have that much money left. The, you see people. Left the even they love love working with you, but uh, they have to face reality. They you know, you know they they have to quit and they they, they change the job. So I think uh, I think that there I think there are a couple of months like my team only maybe three or four staff, including me. Right. Like one events guy, one reporter, me sometimes I write so that like one point five reporters. And uh, there were other guys, so basically four four people. So uh, you still you think okay, you have to organize events to get some sponsors. Then yeah, so so yeah, so you you see, so we have time we have down to four people. Then I think we did some events which are set of sort of are successful. Then later we have a tech launch, and so we managed to have more resources. Um, yeah, now we have 30 people. Then actually, we are facing, you know, another set of uh, kind of challenging. And what is that? Is uh, how to expand. Yeah, now it's actually that that exactly your question just asked me. Uh, what's our next uh, stage? Right. Is uh, you know how to how to be more stronger in China, how to expand to Asia. You you need more resources. Right, I mean the capital-wise, resource-wise. So, where to get all the resources to support your, like the basically your new dream? 
Yeah, I mean, so how do you do that? Do you, do you have offices in places besides Shanghai? And like, how do you manage the resources that you have? It looks to me like you're, um, what's the right word? Like you're outsourcing some of the stuff that you do, whether it's the China Tech Talk or the Analyze Asia stuff that you do. And I'm just curious, like how you, how you work with those teams to, to monetize those businesses as well. Uh, it, well, it's not easy. Uh, actually, we have uh, actually it's it's, um, it's still kind of a headache to me because we have uh, around fifty people now. Most people based in uh, like we have two kind of major office in Shanghai and Beijing. And Beijing, most of our water based in Beijing, English or Chinese. And Shanghai, most of our most of them they are like business people. Uh, we also have a small office space in Chengdu. Uh, we have one guy in Shenzhen, one guy in Hangzhou. So actually, we have five locations now. Um, it's uh, actually it's hard to manage your team uh, in five locations. I was going to say, so I've you know I've done this too. Like I've managed a business that was Pan Asian, and you know people in Hong Kong, people in India, people in Taiwan, people in Korea, people in Japan. People in Hong Kong, it's hard work to be able to manage everybody, different time zones, different cultures. I mean, China is one, it's sort of a unified culture, but still just the different times and the different places, it's really hard to manage people in different locations, no? Yeah, it, it is. So that, that's why I was traveling a lot. I'm still traveling a lot. I was going to say. Um, yeah, the secondly, like two-thirds of my time is on traveling. Is it really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so actually, the, actually, it's kind of a bad thing because, like, uh, all my colleagues, they most of them don't know where I'm at. You know, <laughs> every day, they always ask me where. Um, so, yeah, but, but I think the solution is, I think for me, that like, it still is kind of learning curve for me as a founder. So, basically, you need good, uh, good staff to help you to manage the teams in different locations. Uh, so yeah, I think that's probably that's the only solution to do that. So I think we are not water person there yet, but I think we are getting there. So what do you do to handle the stress? I mean, for those of us that are running our own businesses and trying to build things into sort of bigger things than they are today, you know, every day kind of brings a new and different kind of stress. How am I going to grow? Like you said, how am I going to feed my staff? How am I going to increase revenues? How am I going to fund all this stuff? Like. What do you do to blow off steam or just to not relax per se, but what do you do to just say, okay, I've got to, I've got to stop this stress. How do you, how do you fix that? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't think I'm, I'm not kind of a positive thinking person. Um, cause sometimes I'm really deep. I think it's, um, I don't know. I think even now it's um, like my like every day I have uh, probably have different attitudes. Like today I'm super excited for something because <laughs> I see the bright future. But maybe the next day I was so depressed because I think about some issues. As you know, I was so depressed. So I, I would say it's, it's hard. But I think it's uh, I, I don't know. But but I think if if, if because people keep you know, people always ask me this. I think it's um, so maybe, maybe as I said, uh, maybe sex too is my hobby. Because uh, as I said, what I'm doing this is like meet the Venus. Um, but actually, I don't have media background. To be honest, I, I 
I know nothing about media. I still learning um, media business. But the only reason keeping me doing this because I think because it's a geeking, you know, it's really geeking inside me. I love technology. Right. I love to talk to startups. So that's how I start. That's why I started the blog. So, so I keep that, you know, that kind of passion. Um, because when I see startups, you know, growing faster, um, I, I'm super happy. Even I have nothing to do with uh, with me. Uh, so I think that's kind of passion. Uh, keeping it going. Right. I mean, this is the thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit, right? And that is, and you make a really good point, I thought. You know, there's this really high high, right? When you're like, I'm growing, everything is going well, I want to expand my business more, and everything feels like it's going really well. And the next day, and this is the thing that a lot of startups never talk about, it's that, you know, depression is the wrong word maybe, but that feeling of sort of, I don't know, impending doom. In other words, if gosh, if I don't succeed at this thing or if I don't fix this thing, the whole thing is going to fall apart. And it's, I think it's kind of binary. Yeah, it is. It is. Right? I think it's, it's really – I remember I think – I don't know how to say that in, in, in the English words, but basically that means like like most of the startups, they, they, they die before the, the before the, the morning, before the sunshine. Yeah. What, is, what do you mean, though? Just tell me, because I love this. I love this concept, right? So, what what does that really mean? No, because I think lots of startups. You know, every startup they they, they have different issues. Sure. I think why the only a few of them can succeed um, is I think not. I think no single startups, no single startups, and always green light to the you know to them. I think you know in the journey. Always start out. We start always like up, you know, upside down. So you know, always up and down. Right. But what when I talk to startups, so because we see, we've seen lots of startups. I think sometimes, well, sometimes they are, they are. I think the product bad, but okay, that's why the real the fail, which you know, fair enough. But there are some startups actually that are doing. They have good, really good mindset. Uh, they they see the trend. Um, they have uh, relatively good startups, a uh, good product, but they cannot, uh, you know, kind of hold on to it. You know, it, it's like maybe they, they have uh, big issues. Maybe they, if they can find a way to stay there for even like one month, two months, uh, you see the you see the sunshine. But some most some startups they just quit because they don't see the future. Uh, it's, it's like me. Um, well, I wouldn't consider myself successful. It's a successful story, but from my experience, when I started my blog, we, you know, I, I have a, a couple of uh, uh, blogger friends. They are doing exactly what I'm, what I'm doing, basically right. like tech bloggers. But if you look at now, I think my probably I'm the only one still doing blogging. Um, I, even they they had more traffic than me long time back, but they say okay they didn't see the future of uh, didn't believe right. um, they can survive from blogging, or they they have a kind of uh, have different they have different distractions. Uh, some blog they become VC. Uh, some of the blog bloggers they are doing like joining startups. I mean the life they have they are they are good they have the good life but. 
we're talking about the, the dream, they give up dream right. for different reasons. Uh, so for me, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm the most stupid one, so I'm doing the same. So. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Here's what I think. And tell me, because I think I know what you're saying. Right, this this whole concept of like not giving up. If you have a good product and a good idea, so obviously, right, if you have a bad product or just a bad business, you should give up and stop and change, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you believe in the future, and you're saying you did, right? So two individuals who are blogging believe in the future of online media, believe in the fact that they can build this thing. But like you said, different distractions, different complications. One person gives up, and the other person just says to themselves, and this is what I say to myself, right? And that is, I believe this is going to be big. And I believe that no individual day is fatal. None. Yeah. In other words, yeah, exactly. even if I mess it up today, I have an opportunity to fix it tomorrow as long as it's a good thing, right? And that, that whole concept, and this is how I handle, because you, know, you mentioned this earlier and I wanted to touch on it too because I think it's one of the things that most founders never talk about is that sense of, like we said earlier, just being depressed about this is never going to work. But I just tell myself at the end of every day, today is not fatal. No individual day is fatal. I believe in the idea strongly, and I'm going to just keep going and keep building this. Right? And the other thing I believe, and this is one of the things that I tell my founder friends in my founder context as well, and I was talking about this yesterday, and that is nobody succeeds alone. Right? And that means that you have to yeah. have the right partners and the right supporters because you cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. Right? And that's one of the reasons why I asked you, like, how did the TechCrunch thing happen? And how did, you know, because you have people on your site that are doing, you know, Analyze Asia and the China business and that type of stuff. And essentially what that tells me is, you know, you, you know, you understand. There's only so much one person can do. Even Mike Arrington, right? You know who Mike Arrington is, obviously, who started TechCrunch in his, you know, in his living room. And he basically did the same thing you did. His friend said to him, if you're going to keep writing about this, why not just turn this into a business? And he said, sure, whatever, I'll do that. Um, he basically did the same thing you did. He stopped what he was doing and he went and went into this full scale. Um, you know, and yeah. he's, he succeeded for the same reasons that you did too, or that you are succeeding, right? Regardless of what you think you are. And that is, he just didn't give up. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing. Um, I think to probably that's um, that make I think that's the every all the star founder they should learn from this. Yeah, I think so too. But see, you have the same. I get the sense that you have the same level of happiness that I have when I see other founders succeed. Yeah. Right. When yeah, I sit I, in an office yeah. with someone that I know and they're like, "Hey, I got this thing and I got funded and I, my business grew into Vietnam." I was talking to somebody today. Okay, before you and I got on the phone and he was telling me, you know, we proved the fact that our business worked in Thailand, we expanded a little bit to Malaysia, we expanded to Vietnam, and it's working. And I just thought, I'm not involved, I'm not an investor, I'm not an invite, I'm nothing, I'm just listening. And I was so happy because it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the one story, is, uh, it's quite interesting because uh, we did the events, well, it's like two years back. So the other friends of my well, he did uh, his kind of a Google Play, but basically like a Chinese app store, Android app store. Mm -hmm. So I know him when he almost just started the business. Then later on, I, think, I can't remember, like maybe three or four years later, he sold it to Baidu. Uh, and wow. uh, they sold wow. for like two billion, two billion US dollars. <laughs> okay, that's not small. That's yeah. big. Uh, 
Yeah. Then so we invite so I invite him. So so you invite him to give like fireside chat right. um, at our events. So as to start with, um, I said uh, I said wow now you are billionaires, and uh, he responds said oh yeah but you still blogger. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, yes. <laughs> well, because we know why it's like a joke, but I said, yeah, well, I'm happy to, you know, to have you here. So, because we, we know each other for such a long time, so even right. I'm still blogger. Yeah, I mean, look, I have friends that are way more successful than I am and friends that are way less successful. I don't care. As long as they, I can see them in their own happiness, that's the thing that makes me the happiest, right? And I think I do similar things to what you do too. Is I advise companies. I'm sure you do as well. And that 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 ability and that platform to be able to give other people advice and watch them sort of succeed, it's just really powerful to me. Yeah, I love I yeah. love doing it. Yeah, and I also that's the you know so people, they kind of uh, they, they, they 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 trust you and trust me because, you know. I think it's you know when when we know each other. No, I mean, the guy we know each other because for for me, it's, I'm not really. So I think it's like uh, why why maybe it's same to you is that when the people love talking to me because I when I talk to them, you know, we have the loads of discussion. I don't really have any. I don't want anything. No, I don't want anything actually. You know, because I always say, okay, if anything I can write for you. I can. I want to. Share your stories, and because I don't do, I I never do this for. So people, people really trust me, and some of the people literally support me. Right. I mean, that's and, the whole that's yeah. the whole idea, right? So my whole idea for doing this, and you can talk to Graham, <clears throat> and everybody that listens to us talk about this as well, is that. I want to do this because I want to give people a platform to be able to tell their stories. I mean, that's why we call what we do Asia Tech Podcast Stories. And the reason why is because we want to give you, you're not the type of person that's going to run around telling your story without being asked about it because you have humility, right? You've been brought up to be humble. And we want to give people a platform where they can tell it about it because that makes us happy. It gives us joy, right? And I think that's part of what you're saying is that one of the reasons why people will talk to us and we'll talk to you too is because like you said I don't want anything except to be able to kind of help somebody tell their story and listen to their story yeah. and just kind of learn yeah. something from like, it right yeah I remember like last month I met a, a friend that he, he, he or she she's from very wealthy company family and I said uh, why you why stay up she she said I really like you know like talking to you I said why because you are probably the only Ask me for anything. I said, I don't know. You know what to ask for you. But that's because, like, uh, because, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, because, yeah, because she's a, you know, she's from Wealthy and like, a kind of famous family. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe that's a true. Maybe most of, you know, he, you know, her friends uh, want to talk to her because, uh, because uh, her family. Right. Um, but for me, as I, you know, when I started, and, you know, the first day I know her, um, I don't really feel, you know, I need anything from her. I just said, okay, friends, just we talk. Um, so, so, yeah, actually, when he said so, I, I didn't recognize it. Right. Maybe that, yeah, it's true. I, I, I never thought of anything from you. Right. It's a weird thing for someone to say to you, right? I like you because you never asked me for anything. And the answer for me is, 
what was I going to ask you for? <laughs> I just want to have a friend. Right? Yeah. I just want to know you. It's just, I don't, I don't need anything. Yeah. yeah. So, well, maybe, yeah. But, but some people think, uh, I know, maybe some people think you're kind of stupid because uh, you have uh, many like uh, kind of resources around you, but you never use these resources. Uh, it's, uh, I always have some friends say, hey, you so you know so many startups. You maybe you invested with only you know one of them. Now you are more wealthy and you you know you are getting rich. But yeah, yes, I know. So I wish I could have more money to invest in, but you know maybe I didn't have that mindset. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of really successful people actually don't even do what they do for the money. They just do it for the joy of doing it. And to be fair, if that ends up turning into being wealthy, well, then good for you. But if it doesn't, at least, like you said, you're doing something that you love to do. And that gets back to something you said earlier, right? When you turn your yeah. hobby into your business, it brings a new and different kind of both excitement but also stress to your life. And the idea is to then disintermediate that stress and try to keep the fun, right, and the excitement around. And that's hard work. That may even be one of the hardest things yeah, to do. Yeah, it's, uh, no? it's really hard because uh, you have lots of, uh, that's it, because when I moved back to China, um, I think, the, for example, the pressure from the family as well, like my right. parents, is, uh, you know, because, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, always, like, kind of good boy. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm always a good student because I did my PhD, in overseas in UK, right. I did the computer science. Um, so I moved to China. Actually, I gave up opportunity to join Google. Uh, so my family, I think, when I started like uh, blogging, my family never, you know, they 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 never understand. They never understand. They don't see the. They always ask me, okay, where's the money? Where's the revenues? <laughs> What's the value? The income. <laughs> yeah, because you always see the for them the career paths. For me, they always, you know, come back either join or the kind of internet, international company, right? Uh, or just go to a university because I got my PhD. I could potentially become kind of professor, professor in the university. Yep. So I choose uh, uh, neither of them. <laughs> Good for you, though. I mean, <laughs> your family's probably. It's this is one of those real interesting things, right? Where like when you start doing what you're doing, your parents and your family, they're nervous, right? Because they only want the best thing for you and maybe they're even concerned, yeah? Like, gosh, I hope he's okay. But then later after you, you know, stabilize and everything's okay, they must just be really proud of you for doing something different and just kind of, you know, bucking the normal trend about what regular people do, no? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I can keep doing that. <laughs> uh, I think so far they are okay with that because they see the, the progress I have. So maybe one day, if one day I fail, maybe start the company again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Look, I think this is I think this is a great way to end. Actually, I mean, there's so many more things I'd like to talk about with you, but what I'd like to do actually is just wait until the next time. Hopefully, we can have you back on again sure. because I think there's so much more to talk about. Actually, so I really just want to thank you, Kang Lu, for coming on, talking to us at Asia Tech Podcast Stories. So I want to. Can you just tell people where else they can find out more about you? Um. Well, you, know, you can just follow my Twitter, or well, even Twitter, the blog in China. Uh, my, my Twitter handle is the Gang Lu, basically oh, my, my name, Gang Lu. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you, Michael, for that. Thank, well. thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. So, hope to see you in person one day. Oh, we'll definitely be in Shanghai again, and I know you're going to be in Bangkok, and we'll definitely see you either here or there, so that's not a problem for sure. Yeah, do pay me a little here. Absolutely. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast 
Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.